0: And welcome back to Who Are You, a CSI podcast. I am Lauren, and I have seen CSI through and through around three to four times. Hi, I'm Nick,
1: and this is my first time watching CSI through.
0: And today we are going to be reviewing season one, episode three, Crate and Burial. Director is Danny Cannon. Writers are Anthony E. Zucker. Nope, I've still not looked up how to pronounce his name. And Donahue, our first female writer. And Eli Talbert original air date was october 20th 2000 so we start this episode i guess slightly different from the first two because the first two were immediately vegas this is desert cut to vegas for a bit and then cut to a bunch of desert shots
1: yes yeah we're still being reminded that we're in vegas but Mm -hmm. a little bit less
0: a little less a little a little less in our face about it and we see a guy using a shovel the word to put dirt on the ground and then kind of pat it down. And then this generic looking guy walks away. We yeah, see his I, boots in, in, in one of the cuts.
1: Yeah. And I, I remember, well, I think the the notion of the show and the name of the episode kind of gave it away. I just wrote, buried alive. What a terrible way to die. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, no thank you. Yeah. No.
1: I, I was, of course, assuming that the person would die at this point.
0: That's fair. I mean, that's a fair... Well, I, I assume they would be I mean, dead. J- Generally this show is about investigating murders so fair yeah. that you would think that the person would be dead
1: is there shouting or anything
0: I... so speaking of person that you thought would be dead we the very next scene as we cut to is a woman in a box it's like she wakes up she turns like flicks her lighter on and starts screaming
1: yeah yeah <laughs> the moment I was like oh this person has been buried alive yeah
0: Yep. And then we move over to hearing the ransom audio. And this was my moment of, wow, this show is dated. And I also feel like this might be another instance of, wasn't this even dated for 2000? Where the husband doesn't know about voice alter alternating technology. Like he thinks the guy's putting on like a weird fake voice and and Grissom and Nick have to be like, Oh, no, he's, you know, using a device to change his voice. I feel like we knew what that was in 2000.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you watched an episode of Dateline, you know, the names and faces have been obscured to hide the identities. Right. And I talk, or, you know, yes. shadowy dude and I have a weird voice modulation. So that was definitely in the zeitgeist. But maybe not for like somebody who is like 50 or 60 and is a viewer of the show. You know, you got to kind of walk them through it. Mr. Garris, by the way the name of the husband yes i I didn't i didn't get
0: that i jotted that down quite a bit later so yeah and so grissom is saying you know no it's not a joke you know they're using something to alter his voice and he's telling the husband who's understandably agitated you need to listen closely you'll hear a lot and he mentions about hearing nothing which leads to you know where do you hear nothing in vegas the desert the desert's the only place in vegas where you hear nothing and he also grissom also thinks that he hears power lines
1: yeah the low humming in the background he says Mm -hmm. right maybe a power line which he doesn't they don't really they just sort of move on from they don't like try to prove that out in the episode.
0: No, that there's. Um, I feel like there's a lot of callbacks in this episode. I kind of jotted them down near the end of the episode. I'm like, oh, that's a callback from earlier. Oh, this is a callback from earlier. That one never really comes up
1: again. Yeah, like they they spent a long time on the, like, why do you keep listening to that message over and over again? Mm-hmm. Listen carefully. And then he's just kind of like, well, we'll set it up the lab.
0: <laughs> yep. Like, don't, don't worry about it. We'll worry about it later.
1: Sometimes if you listen closely, you can hear a lot i don't hear anything right where do you hear nothing in las vegas the desert and judging by what sounds like a low frequency buzz in the background possibly near power lines
0: how'd you hear all that i listen james or Jim Brass. I want to say James Brass because you called him James in the first episode. Jim Brass, well, our says detective. It's on his
1: uh, name, on his desk.
0: Which is fair, which is
1: fair. And I wrote back, Brass is back, question mark. And through the whole episode, I'll tell you, I still couldn't figure out if he was supposed to be back working with Grissom. And, or if Grissom was still in charge of his little CSI department. Or if it was, he was just playing the role as being demoted to another thing. But this was not homicide, which is where they said he was sent last time. I so, think they said
0: he was sent down to being a detective. Yeah, they said. I don't it. know if they said homicide detective. They,
1: they did in the first, yeah, in the last episode. Did he, it? Okay. Yeah, he he said homicide, but you know, maybe they maybe he negotiated since. Then. Yeah. Or maybe it's just like a high-profile case, and they're like, "Yeah, I mean, you're basically our best detective because you are basically a captain."
0: Yeah, and I will also say regarding Jim Brass, he comes off as an asshole in this scene.
1: See, I think he has been a bit of an asshole for the last couple episodes. I think I've mentioned that a, a couple times. I think you times. have. I feel like and he,
0: he really think... shines in his assholeness in this episode. Yeah.
1: So, but I also think that maybe they'll be moving away from that. And I think actually they probably move away from a bit in this episode. So he's like sometimes he's very obstinate, mm-hmm. and then at other times he's a little social. So yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But glad to see Brass is back.
0: Yep, he's back. And then Grissom, you know, tells the husband, if, you know, if you want to go fast, you have to go slow, which is easy to say when it's not your wife who's being ransomed. Like, he's just basically like, chill out, man. Don't worry. Like, we'll get to it. We We got to go slow. And here's this husband feeling like I have a few hours until this strange voice is saying that my wife is going to be killed if I don't pay up. I don't have the luxury of going slow. Like, none of them yeah. seem to have any empathy for this gentleman they whatsoever.
1: Have, they have like a few hours, they've said, right? Yes. And I like, think it was
0: three hours. Yeah. And something then,
1: like that? They He's sitting there listening to the tape. He's got to, why are he not rushing this back to the lab? They can't email it. They're not, you know, they're <laughs> going to have to get in a car and drive, and then someone's going to have to work on it. And so, yeah, they're. it's weird. They move relatively slow for what is such a, a tight window and then uh, we go
0: to credits
1: yeah we get our credits which i didn't i don't say i didn't watch it i didn't make any notes about it I, fine. I mean you could skip I, the credits end of them, I, the end of them I was like oh i was supposed to pay attention to see if there are any new scenes nah. well, i told myself i wanted to pay attention so we'll yep. uh i'll have to uh, keep an eye out for, for things
0: yeah and so then we pop on over to Sarah arriving at the scene, which I actually realized on my second watch through that we don't know that this is the kidnapping scene until later. Like this could have been crime B and we oh. don't really know that. Oh, that's
1: funny. I never, I never thought that for at any point. I don't know. She, cause she wasn't in the first scene. Although I did write down Seidel, Stokes and Grissom. In my notebook, but that was probably after this scene because I don't have the the timeline for it. I was just sort of like, who's working this case? Yeah. Because all all three of them end up working this case.
0: Nick arrives. They kind of have a little like playful spat about who's crime scene it is and who's like lead csi Mm -hmm. and who's handpicked by grissom oh you
1: got audio i wanted that yeah i wanted that but then all it is is like go back and hand it to somebody else why would you want that
0: and have grissom on your butt the whole time like you're missing something but i'm not going to tell you what it is because obviously we don't care how long it takes to find this woman
1: (laughs) i mean i think we all know that sarah wouldn't need that she would be she's all like she's tech savvy so like she would be the first one she would have been on it She'd be like can you isolate this can you try this can you do that
0: and then Sarah notices, you know, after their little playful spat, Sarah walks down the hallway and notices scratches on the doorframe. And spoiler alert, again, we see this every episode, but watch the episode and then listen to this. This is one of the callbacks.
1: Yeah. Well, they spend a long time. Disturbance on here, disturbance on here. And then she gets the scratches and she stares at them for an uncomfortably long time. And I'm like, oh, this these scratches, they're coming back. And I was also kind of like, what? Like, what, how does somebody make scratches leading back into the bedroom? And it kind of, like, makes sense at the end of the episode, obviously. But very early on, I was kind of like, there is something suspicious about this. And I was like, "I I didn't know quite what they were trying to tell you. But it was like, hmm, what's going on here? We find out later in the episode. Yes, we do. So there's a conversation. I don't know when it happens. Okay. Between Grissom and Stokes. And he's like, oh, you've been level three for three weeks now. And I realize we've actually, because the the last first two episodes take place in like 48 hours. We've actually skipped some time here. Yes. Uh, So give you an idea, because everyone has to sort of cope with... What's happened, and as we'll see in a little bit, work is coming back, and and so. But that was that was an interesting, like, subtle way to tell the audience how much time has passed since the last episode.
0: Yes, yeah, I agree. Uh, I can't remember exactly when that is either. I didn't want to make all the the paper noises by flipping my notebook around, so I might have jotted it down in my notes. I might not have jotted it down on my notes. We pop over to Jim Brass interviewing the husband, Mister. This is where I got his name. I was like, Mr. Garris? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Husband again, understandably, wants to pay the ransom.
1: Yeah, is this where he goes like, you're telling me not to pay the ransom or something? Is that? That may Hold be on. later. That, may... that might be later. I, I, I like think that's. that's I think that's later. The, mm-hmm. the
0: whole, I want to pay the ransom, no, you shouldn't pay the ransom, happens a few times in this mm-hmm. episode. So I think that specific conversation happens a little bit later. And we quickly pop over to Grissom giving Nick instructions on the audio. So I think this is what you were talking oh, about. Yeah, I think this yeah, is yeah, when yes. he's saying you've only been, you know, a CSI <laughs> level three for a few weeks. You know, go back, yeah. really look over this. You know, in the lab, and I think mm. this is where that happens. Yeah. And we go on over to Grissom and Sarah in the bedroom of the kidnapping slash ransom case, and not only does Jim Gr- Jim Brass not come across great in this episode, neither does Grissom. No. Sarah's talking to him, and she's like, "Oh, sorry. Like, am I interrupting you?" Because he's like obviously in a t- an- another zone, and with no compassion, he's like, "Oh no, don't worry about it. I barely hurt you."
1: yeah i was like i wouldn't have listened to you anyways or something like i wasn't listening to you anyways it is just like i thought you like liked this person like you respected them
0: right you handpicked them to do the warwick investigation and now you're treating her like garbage
1: and she's like "What are basically going like what are you looking at and he's like dirt Dirt. he's like yeah well what about it he's like well i don't know anything yet (laughs) let's walk outside
0: yeah, So they and Sarah smells something that she, like, she asks Chris if he's wearing bad cologne, and he yeah. says no, because I can interfere with, like, crime scenes, so he doesn't wear any cologne. And then that's when they walk outside, and they find the rag that is not chloroform. Halifol is, I think, what they call it. Yes, Halifol is what they call it. That's what they think. Like, they have to go run it in mm-hmm. trace to confirm, but that's what I they think. And I they also notice that the... there's no dirt outside.
1: I did not catch the... Perfume, remarked the first time walking, or I didn't. Oh, the like, bad cologne. Register, but I watched the second time. And I said, "Oh, they're alluding to being able to smell what's coming off of the rag." Yes, that's why they're like, "Oh, it's not chloroform because it doesn't smell like that." Yeah, and then there's like like a slate patio and gravel outside. Yep, but no dirt. So the the dirt is not from directly outside, and so they demise the dirt likely came off the shoe of the of the, the killer. Kidnapper. Kidnapper. there's also a whole conversation about when sarah does her walk through that grissom doesn't listen to but he apparently was listening through to it because that he remarks that if this was a professional which she, you know she said it's kind of like a professional job he would not have left the rag however i think we'll find out it kind of reality was kind of a professional job because we find out they intentionally leave the rag behind uh, later on the episode and so i thought that was kind of kind of interesting
0: yeah from there we head on over to crime b crime scene b which mm-hmm. is hit and run accident involving a young girl and Catherine remarks that she was hit while she was riding one of those scooters which were definitely the thing in 2000 razor scooters yeah the razor scooters i don't think it had like the brand razor mm-hmm. on it but the razor scooters were mm-hmm. again for our younger listeners they used to be the jam back in Probably late 1990s, early yeah. two thousand.
1: Razor did not pony up enough money for the, for the ad placement yeah, for, for the this episode.
0: This was, yes, we did not get an ad for this, for this I episode. Do, I do have Razor an ad. missed out. Razor really missed out on this one.
1: I do have an ad sponsorship later.
0: Oh, sweet. Uh, okay, so we did not miss out on one. So Catherine denotes that her daughter Lindsay wants one. We move over to Warwick calling the scene, basically saying what he thinks happened. So there's a, a bit of a reenactment there
1: and they do a bit of like uh hey are you okay because you know Catherine has a daughter you know she you know gonna be okay with Mm the scene and then also like you know work hey are you okay and she asked if he's turning over a new leaf yeah yeah and so they have this sort of like all right we're gonna get back to normal work you know now Mm -hmm. right and yeah so then he calls the scene there's not anything shocking there no and calling the scene they i think one of the things they remark about Is, like, there's, like, 20 million cars that are going to have the same color paint as whatever. Yes,
0: because all they, at this stage in the investigation, all they have is the paint. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to be enough to go off of to find the vehicle involved in this hit and run. So then, oh, this is when, so the next scene is when we move to Jim Brass, strongly suggesting that Mr. Garris not pay the ransom. Yes.
1: Yeah, I wrote that down. Husband paying ransom. Yeah. I thought that was like, why'd you call the police, man? Right? Yeah. If you were gonna pay the ransom, I mean, maybe he talked to the police and realized they weren't gonna be successful, and then he was paying the ransom. But he was just like, "Hey, dude, I got the money. I'm paying this ransom."
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then he takes off.
0: Then we. Oh, then Grissom is investigating the dirt that he could not hear Sarah when she was talking because the dirt was so fascinating, mm-hmm. and determines that it's dirt from a gold mine, and that there are three mines near the money drop site so they've already determined where they're going to drop the money off of so they're thinking well this person to go get the money is not going to have the body that far from where the money pickup slash drop off is so it has to be from a gold mine near where they're dropping the money off
1: i have one uh, comment these this comment kind of falls in the category of Nick knows too many random facts. One of the random facts that I'm keenly aware of is that, like, we mine gold from places where they take, like, cubic yards of dirt for the tiniest little morsel of gold, and it's profitable. The amount of dirt of gold that they were shown in the microscope for for that much dirt. I want to go buy this land in Nevada. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, I'll take Why this did mine. we Stop mining this mine, because, like... <laughs> it is a literal gold mine yeah the amount of dirt the amount of gold that was in there and then i think they're saying so yeah the cyanide is the gray and they use that to leach gold out of they actually use it to leach gold out of rocks okay so they crush the dirt up Yep, yeah they mix it with cyanide i think it dissolves it helps like not really dissolve but pull the the gold out, and then they can process it.
0: Stick here with all of your fun facts. You
1: couldn't feasibly, like, spread enough cyanide across the soil and try to, like, leach gold up from, like, feet below. I mean, first off, you'd kill yourself handling that much cyanide, but also, like, it would be so expensive. Uh, Yeah, I learned a lot about mining from some youtube channels but also i also learned a lot about mining in the west from a youtube channel where this guy bought a ghost town and they mine silver and stuff but you start doing research you learn a lot but other than that i don't have any problem. <laughs> problems with this? Scene. <laughs> you're you like gotta, that was my one problem you gotta show the gold you know, what I mean, I, I get that—that that it's a visual effect, right, for, for the audience. Yeah, it wouldn't but...
0: be—it wouldn't be as powerful if it was like, yeah. "Oh, see this gold that you can't see because it's such a minute amount that even our microscope can't pick it up." Probably wouldn't have had the same effect. We go to a bit of a darker scene with the coroner working on the body of the girl who was killed in the hit and run, and they find out that they bruise on her has a partial plate number including the number four and the letter j
1: yes and they don't really get into this i wonder if there was a, a this is one of those i wonder if they cut a scene but there's mm. like you could imagine like okay you got the accident you got so many cars in the area but also based on like model of the car like where of the height that the license plate would be at could be different like an right. suv and a sedan are going very different and then they still have the paint color yeah right so they know like you know if it's a gold car or a red car or a black car
0: yeah so they decide to run the plate the partial plate numbers against cars i think of that color within a five mile radius of the hit and run is is their next plan I
1: I didn't think they mentioned the color, but like presumably, oh maybe maybe they, presumably I j- they they would use all of that information.
0: Yeah, maybe I just inferred that they used the color as part of that.
1: I actually at this point was like, I don't know what they're trying to solve here. I feel like they're just going to get it. <laughs> That's like I was like, I don't know where this plot line is going. At yes, this,
0: point. this this throws a bit of a curveball from how their normal episode we fly on over to grissom and sarah in in a a helicopter helicopter. using heat scanning technology to try to find mrs garris
1: Mm -hmm. this seems a little over the top
0: i agree it's fun but it's fun it's definitely fun and we go then so i apologize audience there's gonna be a lot of jumping back and forth if we want to try to stay with the scenes the helicopter and the Jim Brass and Nick at the drop site mm-hmm. flips back and forth very quickly yeah, here. Like, so I'm going to, the,
1: in the show it's happening simultaneously because at yes. one point they communicate over the radio. So they're yes. sort of setting this scene.
0: So they're cutting it very quickly back and forth. So I'll, I'll say where the cuts are. There are some scenes in the helicopter that like nothing of substance happens so I'll probably just say like hey they go back to the helicopter for a bit okay we're back to this so we move on to Jim Brass at the drop site and then Nick slides into the car with him and Jim Brass seems not thrilled with this with this <laughs> development
1: also this husband must be the oldest grandpa driver in the world cuz he left first and they apparently both beat him there yes <laughs> i know yes. they got I, I know they got lights it doesn't mean they're going to run them uh so yeah, don't, really... don't
0: be don't be like our mayor and not, and run your lights when it or the Boston mayor when you're when it's not an emergency. Yeah. We go back to the helicopter for a bit. Nothing really happens of substance there. We immediately come back to the drop site and they see a gentleman in a ball cap approaching the trash bin where the bag was dropped off. And I think. I didn't jot this down. I think this is the scene where Nick's like, Let's go get him, let's go get him and Jim Brass is trying to tell him, Cool it. We have to make sure he's actually gonna go for the yep. like bag. We yeah, can't just was, like take him in because he's close to there it. There's a
1: dog walker. Yes, yeah, so I think it was at, the scene before actually. At first and then mm-hmm. now there's a like they're kinda of holding, they're kinda of holding. So just kinda of as they're before they are ready to go before the guy grabs the bag. Then like the helicopter scene kind of plays out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we, Are back to the helicopter where Grissom says to swing around and then he notices like a heat signature below the surface. They land. They're calling for Mrs. Garris. They hear screaming. They start digging, which another four dramatic effect. It's Grissom and Sarah digging with rocks nearby because they don't have shovels Mm -hmm. and they're just so desperately trying to, you know, you were looking for a body underneath the ground. Maybe you should have brought shovels with you in the helicopter.
1: I, I thought that. And then I realized in the second watch that... They- they had no reason to believe this person was underground. They just thought this person was going to be stashed somewhere. Yeah. They, they never told them, right? They they could have been in a trunk of a car or in a building. Yeah, that's true. Because right?
0: they do mention a trunk of a, a like a trunk of a car at the beginning of the episode. You're right. Mm. Yeah. Maybe this is just from watching it enough times where I, where so, <laughs> my brain. I, I
1: is. had the same idea, and then I was like, oh, I guess not. So yeah. At first I was like, wait, well, why would you bring a shovel? With
0: <laughs> yeah, just bring a shovel.
1: Because <laughs> then all the cops show up and they all have shovels. <laughs> Season, yes, backup
0: arrives, which shovels is, in tow.
1: Yeah. And so I have my first prediction thoughts. Oh,
0: okay. Let's hear it. For this
1: whole episode, which I, love it. which I wrote down a bunch of stuff. So first I went, Are these two stories going to be related? <laughs> Spoiler alert. They are not related. <laughs> no, uh, are not. But then I immediately wrote, Or is the husband/slash wife in on it? Because at this point I was like, What is there solving to solve a hit and run? You just rescued the person. No one's no one's even dead in that story. Like I was thinking like, oh, it's going to be like the hit and run because we hadn't the hit and run. We were just at plate numbers. Yes. I was Like maybe when they were running away from the scene, they hit this person and that's going to allow them to figure out something. And that was over there in my head. And I was like, wait, the white. I was like, the husband is definitely not in on this. He would never have called the police. Uh, police. So I immediately scratched off the husband. And then I went like, but like, if the wife isn't on it, why would she be buried in the ground? That was, I was like, she must really be trying to sell it for something.
0: <laughs> I feel like she's and, a great actress here. But
1: yeah, I wrote, and then I wrote, yeah, there's not much to solve in the hit and run. But then after that scene, we'll surely find out what's actually going on with the
0: hit and run. We will. Or so start to. They pull her up from the ground. They cut the tape that was around her wrist and... I know that this is probably police lingo, but to me it sounded just like another Grissom. You're not sounding great in this episode when he radios to Captain Brass and says, "We got the package." Yeah. She's a human being. Again, this is probably lingo, and I'm taking this more personally than I should.
1: Meanwhile, Sarah's like, "I can't believe you! I can't believe humans would do this to each other." Right. And Grissom's and just like, and Grissom's like, "We got the package." We got the
0: package. Yeah. Again, it's probably police lingo, and I'm taking it too personally, but it it definitely um, bothered me and we head back over to our little Jim Brass Nick Buddy Cop scene with them in the car they move on the suspect and the suspect's defense is why why would I want this bag it's not even leather
1: yes i i wasn't not trying great. to the bag I, not designer or leather or whatever he says and then they and they're like oh i think a 2 million reasons why <laughs> yeah bah, bah, bah.
0: tiger which, i think which... he calls him tiger i think I he goes there's oh, yeah, 2 yeah, million reasons tiger
1: because yeah, the really big tiger woods era golfing at that time and they were at the oh Rotten i didn't Valley even range.
0: i didn't even i just thought like i know that sometimes tigers uses like a, it's pet like a name sports. that's okay yeah, yeah okay i'm so not a sports person that my brain did not go there whatsoever
1: so where do we go after this scene
0: this is when Catherine and warwick arrive okay. at the house well that's we don't my know notes. which house that's
1: what we... my old notes indicate
0: yeah so yeah. they arrive at the house an elderly man whose name is charles moore answers mm-hmm he claims that his car was stolen they produce a search warrant for said quote unquote stolen car find the car in his garage which is then when he claims it was an accident Yep.
1: and i immediately wrote down this old man is taking the fall for someone else
0: (laughs) nick was (laughs) nick was on it
1: Uh, I, though, I, we hadn't even met who he could be taking the fall for. That is true. So I had no idea. I was thinking like a wife, but I was also then immediately reminded of my theory that the guy in the first episode was taking the fall for his wife. And I went, am I going to fall for this again?
0: (laughs) (laughs) CSI going to get me again.
1: (laughs) I was like, no, I'm sticking to my guns. This is a better storyline. So what happened is they figured out that that was a better storyline and they ran
0: with it. Yes, that's exactly what happened. They knew yeah. they heard me twenty three years in the future. Yes, exactly. That's how they made such a successful show. They could yeah. steal ideas from the future. We pop on over to Warwick at headquarters. The car's been impounded. Grissom walks in, says he you know bought a chem lab for Lindsay for her birthday. Oh okay. Catherine has a very adamant Lindsay doesn't want a birthday party and this this comes up again later and I jotted down the note later so I'll wait until later to bring up this note about this incident but she has what I think is a fair look my daughter doesn't want to have a party we're not gonna have a party stop asking me about the
1: party oh oh, I know you're jotted down yes I'm sure you (laughs) I I I, I heard that I was like what this is another Grissom doesn't look so good no this is not a
0: good I and I love me some Grissom like give me some daddy Grissom but not in this going back and watching such early episodes is a harsh reminder that he is—he he takes a while to bloom in, in mm. this role. And then all their beepers go off. They go their separate way because something so comes up for all of they, their cases.
1: They all went off at the same time. And I was trying to remember, like, was that a thing where like it was only like on regular intervals that people would get their, their, their beepers and pagers to go off. But also a good reminder of our beeper episode last week, where they used the beeper to track the guy down. Beepers yes. are in full swing.
0: Yes, they are. Beepers, the beepers are where it's at. We have a quick scene where Sarah investigates the box slash crate that Mrs. Garris was found in. And I believe this is the scene where we see that it's from a winery. I can't remember the name of the it, winery, but I'm Garris, fairly certain.
1: It says Garris Winery. Yes. It has yes. his name on it. Yeah.
0: yeah. So Garris Winery. And then we head over to Grissom interviewing Mrs. Garris at the hospital. She's so, saying that she got grabbed from behind. She has no idea like where the bruise around her eye came from.
1: So we have a spot the guest star moment here. Ooh, let's do it. Spot. Bro, we need to, we though, need to find some audio for though, spot the
0: guest star so we can have nice little background music for the segment.
1: When they pulled her out of the hole, I did not notice it. But at this scene, I realized this is... The female Vulcan from Enterprise. Yes, it is. Actress. Yes, it is. And I did look it up to confirm I was right. <laughs> I forgot that After. she
0: was in CSI, but you are correct. That is this. I can't remember is, her name I, at the moment. I don't but...
1: know. Yeah, I looked it up and I still I didn't. Write it T, down. I is it? Have... T. Paul is possibly familiar. the
0: character name, but I don't remember the actress's name. And don't at me Trekkies. I'm a Trekkie, but I'm terrible with details. I have ADHD, so if I'm saying her name wrong, I've only seen like three episodes of Enterprise. Yeah,
1: yeah It was it was kind of like, wait, I know who that is. You like that? Jolene B- Blaylock is I okay. the actress's name. But yeah, she, uh, the topper IMDb does not mention the one episode of... Oh, um, crazy.
0: That's weird. It You'd does, however, mention
1: highlight. the two episodes of Stargate SG-1. Did did we ever mention, I think, the, is the husband in the first episode Billy from uh, Stargate? Was that the origin of Spot the Guest Star?
0: No, origin mm-hmm. of Spot the Guest Star was the doctor being from...
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, Asif Mondi is the doctor yes. in the first episode. Yes. I actually was never fully sure if the guy, if the husband from the first episode was, in fact, from Stargate or not.
0: I know who you're talking about. I don't know if it's the same person or not. Yeah.
1: It looks a lot like him, but I... Now that you mention it, yes, it does. Michael Shanks is the actor. He played... I called him Billy. I think Billy is the name of the Power Ranger. His his name is Dr. Daniel Jackson in Stargate. Oh, okay. Much Um, more dignified. And so this episode would have been from 2000. So let's see. Was he in an episode of CSI without digging deeply into his... The thing I think I was incorrect. But okay. Maybe I did look it up and I realized it was wrong. And
0: so they, I it down. And just forgot about it. That's fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's about the guest star. And then, yeah, they, they, so jumping back, yeah, they're interviewing the wife. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a weird scene, right? It hasn't been that long. No. And they've got the guy. So you think that they would take their time here.
0: Yeah, this sort of comes up again later where Grissom admits that they don't actually have enough, like they have, they're pretty, they're fairly certain they have the guy, but they don't have the evidence to hold the guy, which then prompts why this is such an immediate need. So Grissom in that vein wants a blood sample. The husband's kind of pushing back against this, which I don't blame him. Like, like you're saying, she basically just got taken out of this crate. If we're to believe the timeline that they're inferring. And he wants her to be able to rest. But she says, no, I want to help. I'll do anything I can. Did this sway your, I think the wife is involved? Or did this add to, I think the wife is involved? It
1: added to it, but only because of the nature of the way television shows are made. So okay, it made me think. feel like they're kind of setting it up for it. But it didn't really like give me anything else to go on. Yeah. Okay. Right. She was like, oh, yeah, she did this. And he he put a rag around my face head and i was still kind of like well if she was in on it like she would know you know what i mean it would all be there but like i didn't have any like i feel like at the end of the episode spoiler alert, she is in on it
0: <laughs> again watch the episode and then yes. listen to this podcast please
1: they cover like all the bits and pieces and i never really like sat i never really teased them out i was just mm-hmm. kind of like i was just kind of like well there's got to be more to this story so i think she's in on it okay That's fair. But I think also in this scene, you could tell, like, I don't think the husband's in on it. And there's a whole thing about, like, why would she say or not say something or give someone up? And they kind of cover that at the end of the episode. So Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. they did a good job of that.
0: Yeah. Very quick scene of Sarah lifting Prince off of the crate. And then we immediately jump to Jim Brass interrogating I put down because I don't think they mentioned his name yet, or if they did, I didn't catch it. So for quite a few lines in my notebook, I refer to Chip as Baseball because he okay. had a baseball they cap on. Yep. So I just refer to him as, as Baseball. He's, but he's it's, the but guy. It's Chip.
1: He's he's guy in my notebook because I have this whole line that says, "Is is the gym guy a fall guy or the guy?"
0: Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. That's a good that's a good but qu- yeah. After question the
1: after the scene, so he brass has a scene with him and they interrogate him and ask him mm-hmm. some questions. Yep. He says he doesn't want a lawyer at the start of the scene, then at the end of the end of the scene he apparently has a card for his lawyer in yes. his wallet and it's like very like criminal mastermind like haha yeah you know I did it I I knew I did it but you're never going to catch me. Yeah,
0: they they point out that he knows the layout of the house because he's Mr. Garris's personal, personal trainer. trainer
1: and trains at the house.
0: And train to the house, and that his prints were on the crate. Oh yeah,
1: there's a scene where he's like, well, "Can you explain why your crates? He says, "Not unless they were like wine crates that I helped move last <laughs> week." And then I was like, "Well, they would have corroborated that with the husband." So the hus, like the husband, really did have him move some wine crates like the week before, and then maybe it was just like, "Oh well, I could use a giant body-shaped crate." I have this thing coming up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So as you say, as you already mentioned, he walks out, he gives his lawyer lawyer's information to Captain Brass, and then we find out Mr. Captain Brass was being a little sneaky and he got his voice on audio, which at least
1: I would say so I would say that he caught the guy on tape, except that this is the product placement for this week's episode where they very many times this episode from here on forward, they make sure to show you it's a Sony Midi disc player. Which is also very 2000s. Sony was trying to make mini-discs a replacement for CDs before uh, Apple came out and made everybody decide that MP3s are the way to go. Yes,
0: yes. (laughs) All I could put down about this scene was Nevada must not be a two-way consent for audio recording. Didn't Grissom
1: say to him, "You got his permission to record him, right?" And he said, "Yeah." He says, then Brass says, "Oh, okay. like, Oh, yeah. He didn't. He he didn't realize what you guys, science types, can do. With the you're right. These okay. things.
0: Okay, so I missed that. This is yeah, yeah. this is why it's good to have two of us watching yeah. these episodes because we tend Cause to <laughs> bounce off each other and get the full picture from I, the two of our brains put together. I also
1: had that thought, and I think when I watched it a second time, I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's why he said that because okay. otherwise it could be inadmissible in court, and then all the fruits of the the." Of the evidence would also become inadmissible.
0: Right. Yeah. We shift on over to Catherine and Warwick inspecting the car. The seat is pushed all the way forward. Catherine asks Warwick to start the car, and as soon as he does, there is rap music playing very loudly, which prompts mm-hmm. Catherine to.
1: I believe the song is "Mathematica" by Most Def.
0: I only know it's Most Def because they then reference Most Def later in the... I am not... I apologize. I, L- audience, I am not a hip-hop fan. I mean, I'm I, fine um, with it, but I'm, I'm not an aficionado, so...
1: Full full disclosure, the only reason I know that that is true is because it's not the year 2000, and my cell phone automatically identifies music for me. <laughs> And it popped up and said "most <laughs> <laughs> mathematic by mostaf." And I went, "I don't think I've ever heard the name of that song before in my entire life." <laughs> and then moments later, he says, "Mostaf." I said, "See, phone, you were right."
0: Phone is like, "I'm smart. I know what that." And Catherine notes that no one over the age of nineteen would be driving the car with this music, this choice of music, and I guess the volume of oh the yeah, was, music.
1: Yeah, it was quite loud. And it's the whole thing with the seat. So the yeah, the seat was, was the seat was like tall. pulled
0: all the way up, and Warwick got into this the seat and was all crunched up and made the, the observation that like Mr. Moore wasn't like there was no way that he could have yeah, been first, driving.
1: The first it was like old people drive close to the steering wheel, which is I mean, pe- we don't really go after people making fun of old people very much in terms of like social or political correctness. Right. That it in of itself is kind of in line with the first season's attitude. However, then work Remarks that the mirror, he says, these mirrors are doing nothing for me, meaning that like, okay, if you were going to sit this close to the steering wheel, fine, but like, you should be able to see out of your mirrors. Right. So that means like, no, it's just somebody who's shorter, who's closer, which I don't, if it wasn't for the music, I would still be like, where's the old man's shorter wife which (laughs) yeah yeah. who he was covering for but then it's like wait but so he must have like a grandson or something and so i didn't write this down but i think at that point i was slow, like okay there's a grandson there's a there's a kid involved in this and that's who he's covering for
0: yeah we move to nick and an audio analyst looking is that the same guy no no. Okay. Nope. Same I'm fairly certain weird this, lab tech guy. I'm fairly certain this is a one-and-done mm-hmm. lab personnel.
1: They all have frosted tips and spiky hair. I can't, well, it's I, 2000. I can't, tell, so. I, can't, I can't tell all these white bro dudes apart. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> they and all look the same to me.
0: we discovered that the voices match. And yeah. not... I mean, they they talked for a little bit. I, I, I didn't take too many notes in this instance. I don't think... I, I feel like beyond... And I can't remember if it's at this point or later where Grissom tells Nick to keep looking. I think it's later, actually. Mm-hmm. But that's still somewhere to go on that the voices match, right? That's a good That's a good step in the right direction. We go back to Crime B, where Catherine and Warwick are interviewing slash interrogating Mr. Moore. And then, yep. as Nick predicted, in comes his grandson, James. And Catherine straight out asks him if... James is the one who hit the girl on the scooter. Mr. Moore then tells, instead of saying just that it was an accident and no one else was in the car with him, he now tells a story about how it had been Mr. Moore driving when the accident occurred, but they switched seats because he was kind of shaken and James needed to drive him home. So at this point, they don't have enough evidence to show that James is the one that caused that was behind the wheel. Mm So they have to accept or at least pretend to accept Mr. Moore's story. Catherine offers to drive James home, which I feel I don't know if that's a professional overstep. I think it's supposed to illustrate her like motherly instincts and how she's yeah. feeling about this case. He opts to take the bus, which I Fair. don't think I blame him.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I have something I want to point out that I there's no real good place to point this out. But I'm pretty sure the grandfather and their grandson were the same clothes the entire episode on what clearly must be different days. You because they be keep right. coming back in and yeah. i think even when he's driving the car and the flashbacks the grandson is wearing the same outfit it's just a basketball there jersey, wasn't there wasn't a lot of
0: wardrobe budget for season one of csi but obviously it made
1: me think i wonder if like originally this was supposed to be more compact and they blew it and they and they blew it up a little bit mm. and so then they had to come back and so like the easiest way was to have them wear the same outfit The whole time. But at this point in the watch through, I went, I was like, are they wearing the same clothes the whole time? And then later on, I just wrote, yep.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Warwick and Catherine have a pretty in-depth conversation after James leaves where they both acknowledge that james was the sole driver they need to go back to the car and Catherine brings up this like wouldn't it be nice to help the good guys Mm -hmm. thought process in the sense of look like mr moore's willing to take the hit and serve the time and warwick throws back to grissom and says no we need to follow the evidence that's that's our job is to follow the evidence
1: yeah i wrote wrote that quote down gotta follow the evidence it's the job it's a great juxtaposition
0: to grissom saying it to him
1: yeah to his to to what got him into predicament last time but he also says something about making a deal with the devil which is i think foreshadowing slash reminding you i assume their judge does not appear in this episode but i assume the warwick brown judge storyline is far from over
0: spoil alert it's not over yet yeah and oh okay so this is is...
1: spoiler for me i i don't know that (laughs) i know
0: i gotta decide like what are worthy like what's okay to spoil for you and 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 what but there's like there's things coming up that i want you to experience without Spoilers. Me spoiling yeah. them. So I have to like, remind myself what is acceptable spoilers and what are not acceptable spoilers. Thankfully, so.
1: none of these streaming services have forced me to watch the next time on CSI. Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> where they, like, show you what's happening in the next episode, because I hate that.
0: Thing. Oh, this, okay. The next scene is where Grissom wants Nick to find something new on the tape. And Nick is acting a bit childish mm-hmm. about this. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, they have like a hallway scene.
0: Yeah, they have a little hallway scene, like, a little, you, a mean, little walk and talk, looking. as as one of my podcasts that I listen to that talks about Star Trek says, a, a walk and talk. Yep. And then, oh, then we move to Grissom and Catherine, and this is where he mentions her minor slash major blow up about the party. Which,
1: I, there are so many layers to that comment. For, it's bad enough to be like, he's like, are you feeling better now?
0: Yes. Like, he's very <laughs> condescendingly. Like, like,
1: like, are you ready to come out of time out now? right. <laughs> And then it's like, but then he's like, you know, you're minor slash major blow up later, earlier, right? Like, you know, there's so many other ways you could have referred to it. And it just like dog piles on like the insensitivity of it. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, man, I, I, I suspect that uh, the writing in the show evolves in time. Yes, it does. I, I think it's really obvious that for the people in the writer's room, there is a very chauvinistic spin on the writing in this in this mm. season so far, yes, um, oh for sure. But also like how much of this is just a time capsule of of the time, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I mean, for for what was probably considered a more PC way to have conversation, right? You know, in in, in you know, 25 years ago. But yeah, I was like, I, I heard that line, I was like, as soon as I heard, it, I was like, ah, oh, it's one of those lines that just keeps popping up in this show, like it's so bad.
0: It's yeah, like... it's not. It it does get better, and I will say that Catherine takes it all in, in stride, and she basically... And she goes on to talk about how she's worried that she's making Lindsay weird. And then Sarah comes out from one of the rooms and says, come, come tape me up. That's what it is. Tape me up. I was trying to read my own notes. Come tape me up. And Grissom responds to Catherine, I love my work. Yeah. And then walks. walks, Also not appropriate. Also also not appropriate. Since you're now the boss. But this is also the same gentleman who in episode one, thought that pushing somebody against the wall and kiss, kissing them passionately was like whoa that's that's really lesson. out there and now when his co-worker suggests getting taped up he's all on board so he, obviously his his realm of okay <laughs> in, of in the kink scene is is very different from the average person
1: there's like a cheeky back and forth between those two characters they ha- that they haven't quite nailed the, the chemistry on like it. I don't know. They, I I assume they're pushing towards something there, but eventually it's like she was being a little furdy with him, right? So yeah, like he's a she little she flirty. didn't come
0: out and straight face say, "Grissom, please come tie me." Take I me need your She came out
1: with a reenactment. She said, "Yep, hey, can you come tape me up?" And it's like, and it, but then he's playing it. Too. But yeah, his character has has. Had many sides, right? And I I, I think that's true in like early shows. Like early on in shows, they're still uh, for people listening to this podcast may not know this. One of my greatest hobbies is playing Dungeons and Dragons, and when you play a new character in Dungeons and Dragons, a lot of times it can take a long time to figure out what your character would actually do in any given situation. Yeah. And I think a lot of times in shows it's like that too, where you're still both the actors, the writers, the directors, are all trying to find the identity of these characters. And so they'll eventually settle into it. But yeah, that was a, it was kind of a weird scene.
0: It does. It does get better. I promise. And that transitions us over to Sarah showing Grissom what she has found, which includes that Laura. This is, I think, the first time they refer to they refer to Mrs. Garris as Laura. Mm-hmm. That Laura's hair was on the passenger seat, the and that. She sat back like a normal person in that passenger seat. So there's a conversation around, you know, if you're actively kidnapping someone, even if they're knocked out, are you really going to just have them sitting on the passenger seat of your truck? Like that seems to be fairly risky.
1: Not the best kidnapping vehicle in general. They don't really. Also true. Because like passed out in the back of your pickup truck, only slightly better. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah, not not immensely better, just a bit better. And Stop at a
1: light. Some guy looks over. He's like, "Why is there an unconscious person in the back of your car?"
0: She's just napping, taking a nap. This is another callback where Grissom mentions that he got a sample of blood for her. So they mm-hmm. they they have run the sample of blood, and it shows that she never inhaled the hathafane or yes. healthafane and jim brass walks in and says again i don't know if they've called him chip at this point but they say that he wants to like strike a deal and grissom says no deals i know i know what he wants to give up already we know what he has to offer yeah yeah, yeah.
1: which is her because she wasn't yes
0: yep yep yeah,
1: yeah. oh yeah we didn't really talk about the fact that she had a
0: black eye in the hospital i did yeah i did a little bit oh
1: yeah Mm -hmm. so that was one of the things where it was also really confusing was like
0: because she said she didn't remember how she got it that she had been like knocked unconscious so she must have gotten it like after she was knocked unconscious from the Halophane or chloroform yeah i feel
1: like i feel like i didn't really get the double cross i should have gotten it from that but that's what they're basically alluding to right yeah yeah is that is that there is a double cross here
0: and we head back to nick and grissom they're outside of headquarters this is where nick says that the audio has been mega enhanced so not just normal enhanced mega enhanced and they found nick apologizes because he realized that grissom was pushing him to find more evidence because there was more evidence and he has found more evidence again this doesn't seem as critical now that the package has been recovered but you would think that grissom would try to have a teaching moment with nick when there's not a death timeline on the clock Like this is not the time to be True Like let's let's give the newbie as much time as he needs to figure this out (laughs)
1: Yeah, again, like what's what's the point of holding back that everything? Like you could teach people a lot of things in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. This is this is not a there's I'm sure there's plenty of cases where it's not on so much of a of a time crunch as this one. We go to Catherine investigating the car again. She finds a piece of something on the steering wheel, something white. Yep. And this I, is another I'm not sure if they actually expected us to know yeah. or this was a this is going to be a fun reveal later but she shows yeah. it to warwick and says like do i even have to tell you what this is and he says no even my aunt so-and-so or yeah, yeah. could tell and she's blind
1: i wrote i have no idea what they've pulled out of the street okay wheel.
0: that's what i get i've seen this i've seen this episode so many times that i now know but i can't imagine that the first time I ever watched it that I I was able to So I feel like I felt yeah. like, oh I also, am I supposed to know this? Or are you just like saving the big reveal for later?
1: I also wrote that I don't think it's a toenail this time. Yeah, it's not a toenail <laughs> this
0: time. That's a good good guess. That would be that would be some impressive driving if that was a toenail. I'd be I'd be impressed.
1: Yeah, I feel like you could kinda of deduce it to teeth, but it's not like visually obvious that I was trying to think like what would happen and in... <laughs> the reenactment on this later is priceless.
0: Oh would it yeah. <laughs>
1: the visual reenactment of this yeah, yeah. later on is priceless. But yeah, it's like okay, yeah, tooth in the steering in tooth in the in the steering wheel. But it's also like they pull it out, it's weird looking. It's like half white, half dark. I didn't Maybe just the lighting is weird. It was probably just the
0: lighting. So so they're back to interrogating slash questioning Mr. Moore. They ask him to see his teeth. He takes his dentures out and puts his dentures on the table so they can see right away that the The piece of tooth did not come from his dentures. So there's another reenactment scene. And actually, no, sorry. James confesses. And Mm -hmm. then I think this is where the reenactment that you're referring to happens, where we see his, his face come down on the steering wheel and he has a very, like, shocked look and then bounces back and yes
1: like, and like the only thing that happens is he loses the tip of his tooth no nothing else happens to his whole yeah face. no bloody, bloody
0: nose no anything <laughs> else just just a tiny little fragment of his tooth so they have to take him into custody even though they don't want to but both catherine and warwick say that they will be witnesses for him i assume character witnesses is yeah. what they're trying to infer yeah, like, is that they will be character witnesses
1: it's the whole my grandfather told me to, to lie to you right they also they don't really talk about a Sorry, Greta, you're still on the hook for a lot of lying to the police charges. Yes,
0: like misleading an investigation, obstruction of justice. Like, there's a lot of charges that, that could there come you. down. They kind of make it seem like they're not going to tr- like pursue any of those.
1: <laughs> well, they? It's a very, it's very TV hand wavy.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. I apologize, listeners. I jumped ahead a little bit. So we moved to Grissom listening to the audio that Nick enhanced. This is where we learned that there was no halifane in the blood. So the scene where Sarah was taped up and then not taped up, Hmm. they were going to test for it, but they didn't have the results back. This is when they get the results back. And this is where Grissom says that his theory of what happened, right? Like how Sarah basically had the same question that you did, Nick. Why did if she's in on it, why did she end up in the crate buried in the desert? And Grissom's theory is greed.
1: Yeah, which they don't explain right away, but the notion is the guy wants to keep all the money. Yes. Chip.
0: Yep. So we head back to the beautiful mansion of Mr. Garris, and Laura claims that she doesn't know Trainer. This is where I finally got his name. Parentheses, Chip.
1: Yeah, she calls him Chip. I think at the end of the episode for the first yep. time. So
0: she claims that she doesn't know Chip. Gris Sarah and Grissom are kind of tag teaming their rebuttal to this, saying that their their plan was to take the money and run away together. This is where we get the call back to the scratches. We see the scene where Chip is carrying Lara through the house to mimic or to stage the kidnapping and that's where she scratches the door frame they talk about the roadside phone how lara is probably in the truck at this point and this is where they show the betrayal where chip you know mm-hmm. stops somewhere in the middle of the desert is telling her oh like i have another car over this hill for us to get into and then this is when he punches her causing the black eye and she falls backwards passed out into the crate yeah, there's
1: this scene with nick he shows up with the so this is min- right after min- this Yep. The Sony Midi Disc player. Yep. And plays the audio and, and shows the part where you can hear her voice on it. And sort of like convinces the husband that she really was in And this is
0: another callback where he says, you can hear a lot if you listen. Mm -hmm. And then we hear Laura's voice once they like remove the car background sound and all this other very fancy stuff, which again, it's 2000. You hear Laura's voice saying, Chip, hurry up. And this is where the husband, I can't remember if we talked about this on audio or on break. This is where, I think you had brought this up, Nick. The husband asks, Mr. Garris asks, Why didn't she just turn him in when they found her? Yeah, and Grissom says it's self-preservation. Like, if she turned him in, she'd have to turn herself in.
1: Yeah, earlier I alluded to the in the hospital. Like, why would why wouldn't she just like give like call him out? Like, oh yeah, it's my Hudson's trainer. He was my kidnapper. You know what I mean? Mm. Because like because because anything he says at that point forward is no one's going to take serious.
0: Maybe. But I mean, I think they were trying to address that with Chip coming in with an offer and Grissom saying, I know what the offer is, meaning that he was going to turn Laura in.
1: But also she she was trying to protect herself because didn't want them to dig any deeper. Right. Right. Like the
0: affair probably would have been exposed if they dug deeper, which would have been probable cause.
1: I wrote at the end, the husband does not seem mad enough.
0: No, he seems pretty chill about the whole situation. Like, a little downtrodden, but not that bad.
1: He's like, oh, man, I guess you're right. My wife really did run away with the... Yeah, like, oh, darn it. No, Hmm.
0: no. Yeah.
1: Well, I still got my got two million my, though. <laughs> I got my two million back. <laughs> he was really concerned about her though. His character the whole he time was. was like, "What about my wife? What about my wife? What about my wife?" And then, I mean, is i feel like for a lot of people, having your wife cheat on you and re- try to run away with somebody and then rob you over it is more upsetting than your wife dying. I don't know if right? it's more, because but
0: I would say it's 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 up not, there. Like not it should do be up you there. You
1: the person you love, but they've betrayed your love right. in the process.
0: Uh, And stole from you.
1: Yeah, and they—they've shown wanton disregard and a lack of love for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, It's—I don't know. It's double heartbreak.
0: It is triple, really. But we go into a a bit of a nicer scene with Catherine and Lindsay at the park, Mm -hmm. and this is where Catherine learns that Lindsay just wanted some alone time with mom. That's why she didn't want a birthday party. Her mom's not making her weird. She just wanted some alone time with mom.
1: Still can't have raise Razor scooter until she's 40 though. True. True. It's a very like heart to heart scene, right? Where they're like, Oh, Oh, when you're older, you know, like it's very playful. Yes. And coy in that way. And it's,
0: I feel they've done the best job, and I think you brought this up in the previous episode. I think they've done the best job to date with humanizing Catherine. You know, I more think she's the most humanized her... out of like everybody on the show to this to this point.
1: Yeah, you. She's like the only person that you have any insight into her life. Yes, her That's personal her. life. Yeah,
0: and we then go back to a not so nice. Well, it it is a heartfelt scene, but it's a sad heartfelt scene where we're at the jail where James is being booked and. I know, again, this is for dramatic effect, I have to suspend disbelief, but I don't think your grandfather's allowed to, like, be there when you're booked into jail. I don't think that's how that works.
1: Your, your grandfather, who, by the way, was basically probably supposed to still be in jail. because yes, they if they actually charged him with anything. Before setting
0: him free. Right, right. But we'll, we'll skip over that. But there's a heartfelt moment where they're kind of saying their goodbyes and stay strong, and Warwick gives him his phone number, and... Mr. Moore tells him afterwards out in the hallway that he didn't have to do that. And Warwick, this is a moment that that humanizes Warwick a little bit, where we learn, at least to some degree, that his grandmother raised him or had some part in, in raising him. And he says his grandmother must have did something right. But Mr. Moore says that to Warwick after Warwick says, you know, some things about his grandmother. And it just ends on a little bit of a strange you know again maybe this is humanizing work a little bit where he's still probably feeling terrible about what happened with holly gribbs where his response is maybe when mr moore says that his grandmother must have did something right raising him
1: yeah it also reflects on him like not just holly gribbs but also what's going on with the judge and gambling it's like his own personal self-worth right he says he's turning over a new leaf but there's a sense of atonement Yes, in the storyline too, right? So he mm-hmm. he feels like he's something to atone for. So you know, in other words, it, like he's not as innocent. He's about as innocent as the grandson
0: is. Yeah, yeah.
1: James, right?
0: James, yes. All right. So that wraps up Creighton Burial. What did you think, Nick? What's your What's your brief recap? How did How did you feel about the episode? And then I'll And then I'll give a very very brief how I feel about this episode. But I, I want your I don't want mine to color yours.
1: Overall, I like the episode. Because it's a little different. I feel like the pacing of the show in general is getting a lot better. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we're starting. To, it's starting to feel like a normal episode of a show that's been on. I think I did pretty well in my predictions.
0: It. You did. I'm impressed. Which is, I think, the best
1: I've done. <laughs> I mean, we're, it's only the <laughs> third episode, but I may that made hope for a while. Yeah, I liked it. It's almost in a lot of ways a bit of a filler episode though, because it really didn't. It really could have stood by itself at almost any point in the in the series or in the season
0: potentially but yeah uh, i liked it yeah so my like i will admit like this is not one of my favorite episodes and i can't it's so funny i watched it so we watch these episodes twice before we record and i can't put my finger on why i don't particularly like this episode maybe it's because i I want my standard I want my standard CSI two people died we're investigating their murders plot mm-hmm. and I don't get that and maybe that's what like bothers me about this episode I don't know but I I don't hate it it's just definitely not one of my favorites
1: how would you compare it to the last episode because mm-hmm. I only have an n of3 to compare this to yeah that And is you have true. an n of 500 so <laughs> I'm like oh I like I think the <laughs> show is getting better and it's like settling in and I'm thinking about all the things that are like a new show has to do and it's finding an audience. And I
0: felt like the last episode for me went by a lot faster. And this one dragged a little bit. This one felt longer and not in a good, Oh, I'm so glad that this is longer so I can have more of it. It was more so in the, Oh, this is still going on. I don't want this to be necessarily going on anymore.
1: I feel like the grandfather grandson hit and run storyline was pretty drawn out. Yes. I feel like, I, I was thinking, like, this show typically has, like, three plot lines. And I was like, in reality, they basically had a part A and a part B.
0: Yes. This one was and, only A and B storylines.
1: Like, you could almost imagine this storyline being across two episodes with, like, something else going on. And in the first episode, they rescue the wife. And in the second episode, they find out that she was in hot. But But, yeah, I mean, I... Actually, like in, as the episodes go, it's like it's the most polished episode. I feel like the second episode feels more like what I expect a standard CSI episode to be like. Yeah, and I, I imagine we'll see a lot. The only weird part of the last episode was they. They don't mention Holly Gribb's name, but like once this whole episode?
0: Yeah, she comes up once in this episode. I don't
1: imagine they mentioned her at all come season two and onward.
0: I don't know if they, you know. She might get mentioned once or twice in the rest of this season. I I don't think there's much beyond that.
1: So it's like once they kind of get past this, was good about this episode is it didn't have any of the baggage of the pilot episode. Yes. And uh, so that's one of the things I liked about it, but... It made me feel like the show is becoming a show, right? We're not trying to sell you on a storyline anymore. Now we're just going to make episodes with plot lines. Yep. And uh, I'm five episodes from now, that's all they're going to be doing. All right. So that should be well, good. We'll see. We'll,
0: see. we'll see if your prediction is correct. We will be back next week with Season so. 1, Episode 4, Pledging Mr. Johnson. Oh, um, I didn't know
1: what it was called. Yeah, Pledging spoiler, Mr. Spoiler alert.
0: Spoiler alert. The the title of the next episode is called that's Pledging the, Mr. Johnson.
1: That's the alternative name of this podcast. <laughs> yes, Pledging Mr. Johnson. Sp- no, spoiler alert. Spoiler
0: alert. Spo- spoiler alert for a show that's been out for twenty twenty. 23 years. Oh, good.
1: If we ever have, have merch, that be, my first design would be t t-shirt says, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You haven't seen this 23 year old show.
0: <laughs> Someone designed that for us. Send it in. Actually, if you want to send it in, you can follow us on Facebook at who are you at CSI podcast. We are also on Twitter and Instagram. At who are you, CSI pod, or you can send us an email at who are you, CSI pod at gmail.com. So, again, we will be back next week where we review Pledging Mr. Johnson.